when we looked to get into the market, the way I did my research was listening to CE Lab. Oh my gosh. I was, I was like, I need, basically I was like, Hey, I need to learn this persona better. And I, I literally, I've never heard of it. I was just doing a, a podcast search yeah. on customer education. And that's when I stumbled upon you. So uh, thanks for educating me. And now I can actually put a face to the name because I, I just listened to you on walks. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education laboratory where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate those myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I am Dave Darrington, and today we are rebooting and reinventing our former CEO series with a special guest, Ted Blosser, CEO of WorkRamp. Uh, you tout your product as the modern LMS for your employees, partners, and customers that they'll love it, right? Welcome, Ted. How are you doing today? Good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, be on here. Big fan of the show. Thank you very much. We're glad We're glad to have you. Um, but before we get into this, we want to learn all about you. We want to learn about your thoughts and and kind of peel away the, the, the veil of, you know, internal enablement now. We're, we're going to branch out a little bit with this. So this should be really cool. Before we do that, we have a tradition, which is the National Day of. So, Today are two two national days. One struck my attention, and the other is weird. Um, first one, National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Oh wow! I didn't even I, know that. I uh, chocolate covered education. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is uh, it is Barney and Barbie Backlash Day. I cultural I wonder, icons. I wonder where that originated from, but I can relate to the chocolate now because I'm binging, binging way too much during COVID here. So <laughs> literally, literally just scooped a handful of M&Ms a few minutes ago. <laughs> I, I dig it. I, I do that too much. Yeah. Apparently December 16th, uh, bar, the Barbie and Barney backlash day allows parents to take a vacation from all the repetitive sing-alongs and storytelling. I don't know how this is enforced, but Cool. Well, I will tell you a funny story. My, um, you know, I have two young, two young daughters, one that's uh, 20 months and she is in that stage where you can only play ring around the Rosie on repeat in your car. So I'm in that repeat, <laughs> repeat mode, uh, when I do long drives, so I, I feel their pain. I feel their pain too. Uh, I'm, I've got three kids, two in the house, one in college. And yeah, it's, it's crazy, but they're, they're getting out of that Barbie and Barney phase. And now it's Paw Patrol and yeah. stuff. Okay. Ted, um, again, I'm going to reframe this. I'd like to frame up this discussion because I'm really excited to talk to you. I think we're going to have some really good meaty subject matter to, to peel apart. Uh, again, going back to what we used to do, we've done a series of uh, a CEO level podcast. So what, what we want to do is really get inside your head. I mean, you're a leader in the industry. You've got an amazing product. You also have an important perspective. And that's where, where I really want to open up a conversation and learn about you, learn about really as a practitioner, leader, expert in the field. Let, let's get into like what's happening here. And, and I, I like to set this one up in particular because where, where we have been coming at from the angle we've been approaching with this podcast is we're talking to people in the customer education category. We call it a new category um, because it's kind of emergent from customer education and other fields. And we're seeing this gravitas of, of interest and in, in all of these people kind of congregating. They could be vendors, they can be software developers. They, you know, there are all these people going, hey, we have a problem. We're trying to educate a whole person about a product. And we're in the subscription economy, right? So we've been hitting that. And now we're coming in, we're, we're looking more inside. And what, what I'm interested in learning from you, and you and I have had talked before, and we've got some great bullet points. We're going to talk more about the divide and how we bridge that. We're going to talk about that experience that we have, I have, this, I, I have a lot of good and painful things to talk about, about working cross-departmentally, working with HR, working with enablement teams, sales enablement. We have professional services and customer success enablement and outreach. And I like, and I'm pulling this out. This is a teaser. I like your phrase, consolidated learning strategy. So I'm excited. Are you ready? 
I'm ready to go. Right. This will be a fun combo. Cool. So let you have the, the mic right now. I, I really like to first learn about you. You're, you've got an interesting background. I love the fact that you've come in as a product manager. You've come in with account executive experience. You've you've been in engineering, which, hey, I'm a scientist by education. I was a chemist. So something about that DNA, I'm, I'm really intrigued by. So tell us about yourself and tell us about your journey to where you're at today. Yeah, for sure. We both, both probably have eclectic backgrounds. And so yeah, so I, I did engineering in undergrad here uh, at Santa Clara University here in the Bay Area. And um, one of my first jobs or my first major job out of college was working at Cisco, which kind of gave me a, a good perspective on, if you think about Cisco as like one of the ultimate bundlers of technology, yeah. they just bought, they basically bought their way into being, uh, uh, I think they're uh, what, $200, $200 billion market cap company. And they just figured out how to bundle the entire networking space. So that was a really great um, time I had there. That was really where I learned sales. I went through a, uh, basically a, a sales training program where they sent yeah. you off to North Carolina and you live for a year. It was, it was amazing. It was like um, I equated to that old uh, show, Real World, uh, except it's a tech edition where they just send you out and you're with a bunch of roommates uh, for a year. So that was a blast. Um, and then I really got into the world of SaaS um, with my time at Box. And so mm -hmm. I really enjoyed my time at Box. Uh, I got to do sales there. So that was when I really learned SaaS sales, all the ins and outs of, I didn't even know what ARR was before, <laughs> before I got into, into Box because I was so used to selling uh, essentially large pieces of hardware. Right. And, um, and then about halfway through my tenure there, um, and I had a technical background. I used to code at night. I used to love developer uh, developing um, little apps. Um, I was really into iOS development. And, um, and then about halfway through my five-year tenure there, uh, one of my friends recruited me onto the uh, product team. So I went onto the platform team, got to understand how to build products at SaaS scale, at, at, at um, basically uh, enterprise scale. And uh, that was a really good foray into how to build great software products and uh, did that for about two and a half years. And then towards the uh, end of my tenure there, I always knew I wanted to go back into the startup world because I've always been enamored with, with wanting to uh, build my own company again one day. And right. uh, that was really where we stumbled into a uh, work ramp. And so uh, we could talk about that history a little bit as well too, but that's been a really fun journey over the last uh, five-ish years here. And so took a little bit to get started, like all startups. But uh, I think once mm -hmm. we got to that product market fit, it's been um, uh, a really fun journey uh, ever since. So uh, really excited about talk a little about what we've, what we've done at WorkRamp and also what we've seen on the market itself too. Cool. Well, let's dig in. This again, the DNA that you're expressing here is, you know, you've you've seen software development, you've been at great logos, you've made the bridge over to SaaS or XAS as we're starting to call it now. And you know, like you really get it. it we're up against different things from you know what the industry used to, when I started in software, it was big box, you know, you didn't use it, fine, it's shelfware. Yeah. Now we don't have that luxury with our customers either. They're going to use it or they're going to churn on us. So let's let's talk a little bit more about your entree into the world of customer education. And I guess what you could do is help frame us up and you know, we what's the 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 locus or scope of your product. Um, and you know, here it's you're coming in into a crowded space as an internal first provider. Now, and let me pepper this with a little bit more. We've already talked with a lot of people that represent vendors who have been in the customer education space first. Mm -hmm. So they haven't been internal as much. The think about it, right? As we we start to talk about this whole character, what I'm what I'm intrigued by, and again, this I have, always have to set it up. We're not here to, to be a commercial, but we're talking about real stuff, and we're going to talk about your product, and that's totally okay. What I'm interested in here is like learning more about, you know, where where you're coming from. And again, for us, it it helps to frame up customer education. What it means for us, it's a a strategic function, and we're here to accelerate account usage growth by changing behaviors, reducing barriers to value, right? Yeah, and improving the way people work. That is not specific 
just to a customer, really, when you think about it. And maybe that's where we should turn our attention to start start our chat here. So question one, let's talk about your trend, trends you see. That as you're entering into the customer education market, what are the kinds of trends that, that you have been experiencing and seeing? Yeah, for sure. And I'll give a little bit of history too of when we say kind of internal first and then the trends we're seeing now too. So we started internally um, actually with a sales enablement use case. So if you if you think about when we founded ourselves mm-hmm. in 2015, 2016, 2017 is really heavily ingrained in delivering value to sales teams. And so that's a very easy ROI. You could reduce onboarding time. You could sell to the VP of sales, VP of sales enablement. And it was a great place to get a brand foundation and learn about the market. Yeah. And then there's this interesting crossroads at that time where we we said, hey, there's really two things you could do at this point. You could either go best of breed and go become this great sales engagement platform. It's a very uh, large space. You have like your mind tickles of the world there, a Lego, sales hood, all these LMSs that kind of went um, straight up sales enablement. And they now you have High Spot and Showpad. Mm-hmm. They all have their own learning platforms now. They do. Um, and so that space takes learning very seriously. So that's kind of one path we thought we could go down in that 2017 timeframe. Then the other path, and this comes back to your question on the on the trends that we saw was, hey, there's this other path where you go end-to-end and provide value to the entire organization. And one really appealing part of that was not just the end-to-end internal enablement, so that's like uh-huh. HR, support, sales, compliance, but the one big trend we saw that we were super excited about was customer education at that time. Yeah. And so we saw it growing. You had a lot of these great leaders on, on your podcast with um, Thought Industries and uh, Skilljar and Intellum. And they've, they've, they've seen it too, obviously. Yeah. And so we were super excited about that. So we said, hey, if we can go end to end, we have confidence we could do internal well because we're kind of already doing it. But can we do external really well? What are the trends of what we would need to do there to actually succeed? And so we obviously took took the latter path and we're excited that we took that path. Um, And then we saw a bunch of trends. uh, And and I I think I told you uh, this earlier, your your podcast was one of the reasons why we we got really excited about the space and learned a ton about the space as well, too. Uh, was really understanding what what this customer education persona needed and what the gaps were, what the strengths were, the existing providers. And so then we basically came onto the market. We came onto the market. Um, we actually sent all of our, we literally sent all of our engineers off to an offsite location. <laughs> it was a really cool. fun, fun experience. We got them all packed together. Uh, we rented a few homes and they just cranked on building a best-in-class customer education product from scratch, literally from the wow. ground up. Wow. Yeah. And we took specs from the market. We took tips from your podcast, literally. And we said, hey, this is how the, how the product should get built. And then we, we brought that to market in the latter part of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could talk about this too, and back to your original question on the trends. The main, and we could do deep dives here, that we saw a bunch of big trends that on the market that made us want to do this and that made us excited about one big one was the consolidation trend from a, a both personnel and ROI perspective. So that's one big trend, which we could do a deep dive into. Right. There's another big trend we saw on the content creation side, which was really interesting too, because that was one of our big strengths too. So we were really excited about this content creation disruption we can have as well too. Um, and then um, uh, essentially we saw a big trend on the end user side. And yeah. so what we mean by that is really, hey, can we make this experience as good as as making a Wix site in five minutes, right? And can we make it so that you don't you don't have to hire an army or go go get budget as a customer education professional to actually go get something launched here? And so those are probably the big three trends that we saw overall. 
um, that made us super excited. And we could deep dive into all of those probably warrant their own conversations. So we can deep dive. They into do. <laughs> they do. Actually, let's do that because so, so let's sh- scroll up. Um, so I, I think I see how you would naturally progress. It, it actually opens up a really interesting conversation for me, at least, because I am. Well, let's get into the first one, because I've actually put some notes and some thought into some of the things that you were talking about. Um, content creation, democratization of effort. Anyone become can become a SME. Yes. Yes, 100%. Because, and that, that's really resonant with me. And I think a lot of people in our emerging field would say the same thing. Here, here's where I, I come from, Ted, that I am a democratic type of employee. I am, I to a fault, I love to collaborate. I love to connect with other people and learn about stuff. And when you talk about that content creation, I think anybody, here, here's the experience. Come into the York. Let's imagine you don't have anything. You have no enablement. You have no customer enablement, no customer education. First principles, you're trying to figure stuff out. Well, that's one thing. I've been at that place and it was me. I was user enablement and that, that I owned internal and external and HR. It was refreshing. It was fun. It was a lot of work. But now I'm at Outreach, which is a completely different scope and scale. You know, now we're 600 plus employee. We're, we're big, growing Going, getting escape velocity, in other words. And now I'm, I have a team that's great. They're amazing people, but we don't even have enough time to deal with what all is coming at us. So it's more like I need, um, so I'm separate and distinct from enablement teams. We have sales enablement. We have customer, edu- customer success enablement. We have customer um, uh, professional services engagement. We have support enablement. So we have all these folks. And now we're starting to see an alignment between all of us, because I'll, you know, I'll be transparent. WorkRamp is a product that we're adopting, right? So now I'll become involved in that. And this is interesting because I've got this bolus of content for education. How can we move that internal? But because of the merit of the product that we create, I also can benefit really strongly from, from really good sales enablement content that we're developing and push that back out towards the customer. So it's a seesaw, kind of a swing and a relationship and a partnership that I'm super excited about. Um, so maybe you could talk about that a little bit more, like your thoughts and like how this all interweaves into what you've created. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point, Dave. And so, and by the way, we're, we're really happy customers are outreach too. So thank you for providing a great great product. Indeed. Um, and and you're spot on. Um, I kind of give this analogy where if you think about your environment, you wouldn't have multiple CRMs in your environment that have silos of customer data, right? You wouldn't have. Salesforce, sales cloud for sales, but then have HubSpot uh, CRM for marketing. And you want to have another one for your business uh, development or partner team, right? You want to have one fundamental customer layer and customer data across your organization, right? And then everyone kind of becomes experts in that world of how do I use the CRM to further my personal uh, needs and, uh, and agenda for my department, right? Indeed. Yep. And, and I think the analogy sticks for learning too, right? If you think about, and if you're CFO, I'm hearing the CFO saying like, I do not want four LMSs in my environment at <laughs> one. And you guys figure this out, right? Like I don't even want an LMS is probably what they're saying because they don't get it. Uh, but you have to get over the hurdle of educating them about that. And then uh, right. let alone have multiple versions of that. And so I think coming back to your original statement is that if you can align using the technology, align people, then you're going to create essentially this, this, um, uh, data, this bus, uh, in the kind of the data bus terminology, this bus of I love this analogy. learning across the org where you also, we talked a little about this, almost a center of excellence where all of you are learning from each other. Cause you all have your, strengths and weaknesses in terms of what you're great on delivering, right? Like sales enablement might be really great on, on, um, on reducing ramp time, right? And how can mm-hmm. I share that out to support enablement, right? Because they might be so product focused and not so much on ramp reduction time, right? right. Um, and customer education might be great on product. And we've seen this with a lot of our customers. They know products so well that 
that the other departments intern, like I need that for our own sales reps or our own partners, right? And so if you create this kind of learning bus across the organization and you kind of use the technology as the enabler, we think you can see huge gains across the org. And so yes. in my mind, it's a win-win. You have, you have a people win there. You uh-huh. have an ROI win there. And the, the, but the downside is, and I've, and I've heard you guys talk about this, the downside of it, and this is why the market kind of unbundled, I think, for a while, is you might have to make some technology sacrifices. Like you, there isn't the unicorn solution that is everything you want it to be for everybody. And, and that's kind of the, one of the sacrifices you might have to make with, with some of these gains. And we think the gains could outweigh some of those technology sacrifices long-term. That's huge. And I think we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth, but I want to bring you back to the Wix idea, the, the beautification idea. Because yep. you had said something about, um, well, let's go back to the, uh, the, the manifesto, our manifesto. And one of the, the tenets of that is basically rapid go-to-market. Yep. Right. The thing, one of the challenges that I've had at every place, Ted, that I've been has been the, this, the DNA of an instructional design minded individual. They are perfectionists to a fault because you have to cover everything. You have to make sure we're great. You know, make sure that the messaging is right. The brand is on spot. The, you know, all the content is the best foot forward for on-demand content or training. Right. Um, and so when we go on demand, a lot of times, this takes months to build a one simple module. And I go, this is absurd. Um, at Outreach, at Gainsight, at Azuqua, all the places that I've been, you talk to Adam Slack. He's been at um, Optimizely and he's been at um, Checker. Each one of those places had this economy of speed. We had to scale. We have to scale. We have to, we have to get this stuff out here. So there's a fight. And that fight is, okay, well, I'm not going to put as much time into this. I'm going to get it out in the market. Now it looks like crap. Um, we need to use agile practices to, to scale quickly and deliver to market quick. So tell me more about the beautification thing, because I agree with you. I'd love to have something where I can go, Hey, just use this. It's really quick. It's like Wix for education, internal, extra, don't care. You can quickly put something together and boom. We think, yeah. what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a great topic. And, and, um, it was one of our core tenants when we, when we went and built this really built this product from scratch was Wix was a great model. Shopify is another great model. I'll give you a, a great yeah. story. I know for our VIP community, I, I told our marketing team, I was like, hey, we need a, a work ramp store right away. And if you think about it, in 24 hours, we had a full store set up on, on Shopify, looked amazing. We could do discount codes and we had it all on the back end with one of our great customers, Sendoso as well, feeding the back end, yep. right? And that rapid time to deployment for these fast growing companies like us is, is amazing, right? And so in the customer education landscape, I think that was one of our core tenants. And so I'll give you a great example of something very tactical is, is we have a whole WYSIWYG front end creator that allows you to theme it however you like. You don't need a developer. Mm-hmm. You're not touching the CSS and it looks beautiful out of the box. We actually... Uh, one of our, our great customers and also services we use, Intercom, we love the model that they had with when they released knowledge bases for their essentially um, uh, support product. Knowledge bases, you can get up and running in a snap and it provides right. value to your customers in 24 hours, right? And so right. that was our mindset is how can we show value within 24 hours to um, uh, our customers' customers and our customers' partners make it look beautiful and be proud of sharing that internally. And so we had all these great stories of clients saying, Hey, look, I got this up and running and they send it to their CEO and they sent us a Slack message back from the CEO saying that looks amazing. And they got that whole thing up and running in the matter of days. Right. And so that time to value, especially customer education, because as you mentioned at the top of the call, people don't know the ROI at the executive level. So when you can show them this tangible URL they can go to that looks beautiful and they didn't have to have to um, spend a million dollars to launch it, everyone's going to be happy there. So um, anyways, that's been our mindset with that rapid um, kind of speed to market. Um, and, but it's not everyone's mindset. Some people might have an army of people that can go develop this uh, custom 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, there's definitely, definitely some stakeholders who want that as well, too. We just think this um, kind of mass market approach could be a little bit better here. I, I agree with you. I, I, it's, every company is different. Every, every organization you enter in is different. But the one resonant theme that I see and, and I hear from everybody is, well, I'll, I'll talk about my team later, but my executives are like, Hey, we, we were putting your resources into this. Do what you need to do to make sure that we have a great scalable education program. We need it really bad. Often discussions that I have with people who, and, and I make myself available. If, if you're listening to this podcast, I usually try to make time. I'm talking to the audience now, not you, Ted, but any of you who are listening to the podcast right now, if you need some objective, neutral, third party, you know, brainstorming, call me or you know, text me and we'll set up a call. It's really important to really understand what you need. Most people I hear say, um, hey, I got to get something stood up right away. I don't have time for this. I'm already behind the ball. Um, and that that's really resonant to me. If we could have a Wix-like or Shopify-like interface for customer education, and that can grow and mature with you. So that's huge. Yeah, especially if you need to prove it out, right? I, it, with yeah. a lot of our SMB and mid-market clients, I was just talking with this um, great person, Chauncey Ford from Quantum Metric. There are, I think, 100, 150 people. She moved on to the WorkRamp platform. And she had to prove it out herself for a year. And yeah. she got amazing returns at her customer conference. Um, she got amazing returns in terms of um, the revenue influenced by customer mm-hmm. education. And then sure enough, she just shared this on a podcast recently, a year later, the CEO says, hey, here's four headcount, here's your budget, go go 10X this thing, right? And so, but it, it sh- she was able to prove value first and then um, ask for the investment after. So versus oh uh, uh, the opposite of that. <laughs> that oh yeah, the, the, it's massive. That is massive. I get, I get incredibly excited about that, Ted, because if you can show... Our initial ROI, uh, ROI, and you have time to the first value as a customer of customers, right? You're trying to present. If I can show that and I can put something up quickly, the, the pain point that I keep seeing, and this is really hard for our audience as they're, they're new, that those of us who've been there for a while get it. Start with something, anything, even if it's painfully raw, because customers will inhale it and they will give you a lot of free license, right? They'll say, I don't care. You misspelled that. Don't care. Oh, that screen's wrong. Don't care. I'm learning. And that's all I want. And I know that you're giving that to me and that it's so much helps. Well, let's, let's go deeper. So what, what I'm, we've already been talking about some of your learnings, right? The things that you're done. I want to transition a little bit to talk about uh, those interesting things in your customer base where, you know, people are, are doing things or they're questioning things or exploring things. You know, we're talking about this internal, external play. I'm really curious about that. And with WorkRamp, I see, you, you know, we've already talked about this. You're marketing both internal engagement and L&D and customer education. This is novel, right? This is a very new thing. So let's get, let's begin with more about your um, examples of how your customers have been successful with this consolidated approach. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. This all, all grouping in what kind of pros, what kind of cons are you seeing? Tell me more. Let's dig into that. Yeah, for sure. I would say, and this is actually some of the, my personal DNA from box. Um, cool. uh, one big thing from that I always learned from Aaron Levy is he was so big on collaboration, right? And so, and you see that with Slack and Salesforce now that collaboration, I think in this next next generation of modern enterprise is going to be huge, especially uh, with remote work. And in Box, we baked in collaboration into everything we did. It's really the the function of it was the folder structures and the files and you're collaborating and commenting on items. And so when when we built WorkRamp, we built collaboration in from kind of the ground level. And it was kind of different than what most LMSs. I'm actually... Glad we didn't look at a lot of LMSs when we first built the product because I would have just built it like everyone else. But when we first built the product, we said, hey, let's take a content management-centric approach. Whereas most yeah. LMSs, if you looked at them, whether it's internal or external, is like a very tabular-based approach. Like, show me my table of, file of, um, of lessons or courses, mm-hmm. yep. and let me go find it in that table. But we, we did the exact opposite. We said, let's go build a folder structure and think about permissions and how you collaborate. 
and have waterfall permissions. So multiple people can come in and collaborate on that content. And so we kind of got lucky in that realm where when we built that in from the start, now we see these, our larger clients who can have people in India, in London, yeah. in the, on the East Coast come in, collaborate at any time on that great learning content, and then share it with whichever stakeholders they want, whether internal or external. And so I think one of the, the big things that we saw on the customer education side is the, the content collaboration with multiple SMEs in a department will accelerate how fast you can get things out to market. And so I would say that's one of the big trends that we have doubled down on is saying, hey, how do we make content collaboration key to your customer education strategy? And let's get everybody into the LMS that wants to create content that we can, because right. that is what flows the flywheel is great content. If you can create great content, people will consume it and love it. And then you'll get more investment to make more content. Mm -hmm. And then that's the flywheel of, of both internal and customer education. That's so this is that concept of a learning center of excellence more, more than anything, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, but empowered with the, with literally the features that make that collaboration possible. Right. And so that, how do you drive that center of excellence? What are the features you would use to drive that, uh, that collaboration internally as well too? Okay. This fascinates me. And let, let me share some of the mental meanderings that I've had uh, about this very subject. So again, I'll frame it up in terms of outreach because that's where I live right now, but I've done this at previous jobs too, including Gainsight. The, the thing that I've been an advocate, a very strong advocate for is coalescing a lot of our work into a pooled model where we're partnering directly, right? It's not Dave is over here in the, the land of customers. And then we have you know, Whitney who's leading our, our sales enablement org. And then we have others that are kind of reporting around, but they're all working on the same problem and that's enablement. And sometimes we would have a multi-threaded approach. Like all of us would sit in meetings with product to learn, but then why, right? The intake process we've been working to model is let's think about all of our roles as enablement generally, like together. And my team is really good at saying, okay, I'm going to break down and, do, and work with product in the, in the early phases before beta, before alpha, right? You know, I'm running with Kaya as on right now, listening to her call. And, you know, we're, we're wanting to understand her more. So we do things like this. We actively use the product. And then we start taking that information and wrapping it in a great product training material. Now that material immediately goes and should serve enablement in many different facets. So sales enablement is a little bit different. Sales enablement needs to know, how am I going to sell this thing? I need to know enough to be effective, not dangerous, because that's bad. They want to be effective to be able to say, okay, I see your need and I see your pain. I understand how our product can adapt to that. And I can show you enough. Now we need to get you over to training because you're more interested. Let's go deeper and I can give you more of the information or your enablement internally in, in customer success or professional services to work with uh, one of my favorite people, Sean Ray, who's our customer uh, professional services enablement. And he's got an even harder tasks because he not only has to do the sales, but more the technical, right? Technical enablement of people who need to become those uh, basically, you know, customer engineers, the, the implementation specialists. So it's this dissemination, this democratization of work. I want to be working with all of them and say, hey, Sean, hey, we got this new product. I've got this but now I need a little bit of the narrative about how we're actually approaching a sale of that. And then we trade and it's just amazing. So I want to be that. And like, and I, I have instructional designers where these other teams do not. So I could say, well, if we can collaborate on some intake and maybe, you know, two or three of my team members who are enablement teams are developing other content, we could take point on certain things and swap. So I love the concept of a CMS for education with stubs out that go to the right audience. I mean, that's, that's fascinating to me, Ted. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're, you're spot on in that sense. It's not just subject matter experts. Like we've been talking a lot about different roles, but yeah, think about every country and, and outreach is going to be at the scale soon too, is every country and region has different cultural values. They sell differently. They educate differently. 
And so in, from a technology standpoint, is how does the LMS equip each of those regions to, let's say, if you want, let's say if you want to spin up a call center, right, in the Philippines, it's going to be very different than a call center here in, let's say, Texas, right? But how do you let them create their own mini center of excellence as well to educate that call center, uh, but then still share from the kind of greater whole of the broader organization too. So, and, yes. and, and back to, and not to talk too much about the technology today, but we've also equipped it so that people regionally can literally spin up their mini LMS to train their teams in the way they want to train, train them, but also still collaborate back with the mothership. So. Yeah. And that's the, I need the data. I need to know who is doing what and how they're doing and how well they're doing it and all this stuff, which is, that's cool. It's a fabric type approach. Yeah. Right? Yep. Cool. Um, so before we leave this thread, we, we are also talking, if we're going back to, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to get, I'm not going best of breed necessarily. I'm early phase. I'm getting something that will solve the pain point. Um, so Maybe you talk a little about sacrifices because you mentioned that. Yeah. I think that's a big, important topic for our audience because, uh, if, frankly, I'm in the discussions with two or three people who are my peers who are going through this analysis process right now and saying, well, what LMS do I choose? And most of them tend to gravitate to, okay, what's the best? Okay, well, that's not necessarily your answer. So, so tell me more about sacrifices that, that you think yeah. are important for our customers to think about. Yeah, and I, was, I was talking to this um, founder of a, of a really popular um, HR tool. And he, and you, and you're seeing this in the HR landscape, not, not, not in the HCM landscape. These are like kind of HR tools, like the engagement type tools and performance management, because that whole space is consolidating. Right. Yeah. And he had this, and he, he was one of the ones that convinced me that this end to end model works really, really well is he said, Hey, look, we're not, we're not going to be a hundred percent on the new add-ons we have into our suite. Our goal is to get to 80%. <laughs> and yeah. literally like my bar is 80%. And it, they're just very explicit about that. And they say, look, we're going to get to 80% of the functionality, but that last 20%, you might be missing a few integrations. You might not get to that edge case you want to get to with your live training scenario. You might not have conferencing capabilities. I'm talking about customer education. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pain points that, that are extremely advanced, or you might not have uh, crazy nesting in your testing structure um, uh, with, with a ton of branches that you can go off into, right? Right. But you'll get 80% there, right? And so, and you can fill in the gaps with, with integrations or the API, but, but I think that's what you kind of have to be willing to sacrifice. You say, Hey, look, I'd rather go for the high volume play. And in customer education, I think one of the fallacies I see is like people try to create like the perfect program, right? And they won't buy they the software unless it's perfect, they right? Do. But then if you put yourself in, let's say, the CEO's shoes, the CEO is probably saying, I want everybody to know about our product in the world. Yes, I love to have like advanced certifications, but I probably want more people knowing about our brand to fill in top of funnel to get more customers. And then over time, we can make this perfect, right? Yeah. And so I think back to your point is that the, the things you will sacrifice are having those very top tier, top, top tier customer education programs. But you will, I think with 80% there, I think you will get a lot of the ROI. And then if you want, you can grow into that later on and maybe go best of breed later on, but at least you can can get 80% there, improve your value, and then continue investing in the programs too. So um, yeah, and, and, and you're seeing that, and I'll give just one other analogy. It's like, it's like Trailhead. Um, Trailhead has really pioneered yeah. at a massive yeah. scale customer education, right? Or Salesforce has done that with Trailhead and Trailhead really loaded up the masses with just kind of general education. And then they kind of added on the very top tier Salesforce certification pyramid. I think there's like a thousand people mm-hmm. that are at the top of that pyramid, right? But they kind of want to layer this out first and then kind of double down in the very high end um, certifications. And you could do both, but you kind of grow into it organically. Yeah, I'm, I can actually speak to Trailhead directly right now because last night I stayed up way too late working, but I wasn't working because I had to work. I was working because I wanted to work. 
I ended up creating reports that were showing all things like, you know, um, attach rates to accounts and, and, you know, how are my trainers doing? What's their volume of, of stuff? And I got stuck and I got stuck doing like a chart or something arcane. And I'm not a basic Salesforce user. I've been done admin work before. Um, and I go, darn it, I'm stuck. I went online. I just Googled something real quick. I ended up on trail trailhead. And what, you know, what blew me away, Ted was it was that just in time type education that I needed. I have the, and I was talking with uh, some friends of mine from intricate lays. Um, We were talking about neuroplasticity. We were talking about how our minds work as learners in SAS. And one of the things that we're good at now is because we've seen so many products, we can switch channel switch from one product to the next and really understand the basics of how that should work and where we get stuck is where it doesn't work like we'd expect. And that's in the moment like, oh, it's just in time training. I don't need all of your onboarding stuff as usual. I can like Smartsheet, for example, got and you know, their folks will yell at me for saying this. It is, it has aspects, a persona of a spreadsheet. It is not. <laughs> but what it can do blows me away. So anyway, that that I'm really impressed with Salesforce Trailhead, but then there's a whole space. We we talked about the space market being crowded. I don't really actually think it is, Ted. I think we're starting to see a constellation of different options to those of us who are entering in at different points in our maturity cycle. So you know where I see your product fitting into that ecosystem is okay. It's I need to get going, but I have all of these personas internally who need to be a part of the equation. And I really like that approach because now we're bringing all the voices to the table and we're collaborating. And that's, that's huge. That's really huge. Yeah. And I think one, one becoming, you said at the top of this uh, interview is, is, and you guys are pioneering, you guys are personally pioneering this with this podcast is really elevating the customer education profession. Right. Right. And I think, we still have a long ways to go on not just CE professionals, but just learning professionals in an org. And in, when I talk to investors, I say, look, there's major categories in software, right? You have your, your CRM, which is owned by the VP of sales. You have your HCM, mm-hmm. which is owned by finance and CHRO. Yep. And I think wh- when we know, I think the learning space has made it is when you when you have elevated someone in the organization consistently to really bring learning to the seat of the executive table, right? And so- It's a dream. And I, and I think the, the hard part is like, <laughs> who's that going to be? I think even, and you could probably ask any LMS vendor out there, it's like, you have so many personas that you sell to, right? And yeah. I think if if- all of us do our best effort, just like you guys are doing. I think here in three to five years, you're going to have someone at the table. And I think personally, I think it's either going to be the CHRO or the CIO. Uh-huh. And I think they will just consistently own the learning technology and really put that as one of the core software tenants or, or core infrastructure components you need in every company. And so um, hopefully we all keep fighting that good fight to to get that, get that big seat at the table. Cause I think now it's easy to kind of put learning at the wayside and kind of let, let the different stakeholders kind of fight it out. It is. And let's, let's pivot. I want to do, um, we're we're coming up on time here. We've got about 10 or so minutes. So I think what, what Adam and I normally do at this point is go lightning round mode and we talk a little bit and then we open up space at the end to, close out. So let, let's do this. So now I'm interested, Ted, in carrying this conversation more into the the CEO to CEO, your peers, people that you're, you know, obviously you get in the sales cycle and you're talking with people or you're hanging out. You've got friends, I'm, I'm sure that are at your level that you talk with all the time about, you know, how do we do better? How can we grow? How do, like all this stuff. Let's frame our discussion up in terms of, okay, I'm talking, you're talking with another here, what are the kinds of conversations like you're having? And one of the questions I'd say, where, where do you see this corporate learning market? And I think that subsumes customer education too, to a degree. Where, where do you think it's going to go over the next 10 years? And, and where does our audience, where can they find themselves fitting into that niche? 
Yeah, I would say that's a great, great question. Um, there's probably two big trends. I'll talk about short term and long term. Um, okay. I think short term, I think the bundling is going to accelerate across all software categories and and including learning. Right. So you're going to see. Um, you're going to see bundling of, of even in your space uh, uh, too, Dave, where outreach, you guys are bundling everything in into mm-hmm. your platform and it's just this great sales engagement platform now, right? And so I think in the learning space, and we've talked about this enough probably today, is I think the bundling, but also rethinking the bundling. We talked about internal and external, but I do think there will be other parts of the bundling added on top of that in the learning stack. So the content, I think, can get bundled more like um, what you're purchasing off the shelf, like great companies like the Nobi4s, the, the uh, LinkedIn Learnings of the world. I think you're going to see a bundling of content as well. I think you might see bundling of, of other applications like secondary education, like what Guild Education is doing, getting bundled. I think every company is just going one, one learning portal and they have access to everything, internal, external, yeah partners. I think that's on the short-term horizon accelerated through COVID and the digital digital transformation plays we're seeing in, over the next three to yeah. five years. And then I think long-term, this is more, more fun, is on top of that bundling, I think you're going to see a lot of advancements in tech in terms of the teaching styles and what you can do now that you have this learning bundled in one place and this learning platform. And so like I'll give you some great examples. So um, I was introduced to this startup the other day where they have this new API where you can feed in text and they feed back a synthetic face of this very human looking person who is giving you that text back to you in a training oh, capacity. Man. And it just blew my mind away. It's like watching uh, Ex-, Ex Machina, if you've ever seen that movie with, with Ava. Um, but watching that, I'm like, wow, this is the future. Imagine you, you don't need to hire that training staff. You just need to type this out. And they, they, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, but it's a great example. And they had some great stats on their sales pitch of like, Hey, people learn way better when someone's talking to them. Right. And, and we can automate this almost like a Twilio of, of synthetic training, which was just amazing. And so that I'm really excited about things like um, uh, call analytics, coaching analytics being brought into the platforms as well too. You guys are doing some of this as well too, um, uh, probably with Kaya, but you could see like, like Gong, for example, mm-hmm. um, which we use is how do you analyze things like pitch certifications, what customers are sending you if you want to, let's say, um, certify partners, for example, to sell your product, how do you analyze that more closely? So I think the tech has a, a long life cycle here over the next 10 years where I think our training content, back to the, the content uh, uh, discussion we had earlier, the content's only going to get better because yeah. of the tech. And I think the yes. delivery platform's always going to kind of innovate. You're always going to mobile. You're always going to see it on the web. Like there's not a crazy amount of innovation there, but I think the content play and then having the central source of truth is kind of where, where, where I'm personally talking to a lot of other learning founders about over the next five to 10 years. Oh, that's, that's just incredible. It, these are the kind of things that I obsess over, particularly like I have Kaya running right now. And the goal with Kaya is that it's that coach, it's that mentor, it's there, there to help you out, right? And Kaya is transcribing my entire conversation with you right now. I could put that in my show notes. I have reference of it, um, but it could also do other things. Uh, we use Gong as well. And what I really like about the Gong product um, is look, I can look at my training team and I can see, okay, over all of our trainers, how long are they talking? What topics are they covering? How is how is this all coming together? And it's super helpful. I mean, the analytics on what we're doing is amazing. Seeing more products come out for instructional design too. There was a, a platform called Vidiate that I just talked with um, uh, another leader in about, and it can really speed up delivery of content by feeding it in. And then it does like what you're saying, Ted, that it could have a voice and it could have narration. It could have video. So coming along with it, but it's done automatically. Yeah. And that's a, these are scale plays. These are democratization plays. These are, are, are broad plays, but we're getting close on time. So I wanted to ask one more thing. 
This runs a B round, B series funding. Um, cool. um, and it, I'm assuming you have a, have a really good sense of the venture market. And you'll be happy to know that coming up on the podcast, we have had a recent discussion with some venture capital folks and to get their thoughts on what education is about, how does that roll into acquisitions and, and you know, helping companies out. In fact, uh, I, I talked to a friend of mine, Kellen Carter, who's in venture capital. He just moved to a new, um, uh, he became partner in a new uh, organization. And he's like, this is so fundamental. So um, I found uh, Vista Equity, who just acquired Gainsight. Uh, I was working and plur- with and plural, about plural site yesterday. And too. plural site. <laughs> I mean, you could see a trend. Yeah, they yeah. actually came to us and asked more about um, what are you doing to enable your customers? What are you doing to enable your team? How are you treating? Oh my God, this is amazing. So we're all thinking about it. Um, so, so tell me more about your, your B round and like what venture is thinking about it. What's the take on the market? Like, let's think about an investor. What are you seeing in investment, like in your own company? And what are they saying to you? Yeah. So, and, and yeah, we just closed on our 70 million B with led by uh, Omer's venture. So we're really excited about them and, and Bo also participated Um and, and that was a preemptive round, but but we had gotten a lot a good glimpse into how investors were thinking about the market. And I think I think the thing I'm I'm constantly fighting for. You and I are fighting that good fight. Is that when you look at the market, every investor first thing they say is there's 600 competitors in here. That's probably what what Zoom was going mm-hmm. up against. There's probably a a million conference services <laughs> back in 14, 13, 14 when they're getting started. Right. And I think when you kind of look at the signal from the noise, it's actually a really exciting market. And I think it has a potential to hang with the uh, quote unquote big boys of, of kind of Salesforce, ServiceNow and Workday. And, and I read this blog post the other day uh, from Semel Shaw where he's saying, hey, everyone's on the hunt for their next DocuSign or and, and in similar terms, their next Shopify because they don't seem big on the surface but if you really dig into it, it has a ton of spend around it and a ton of customer mm-hmm. value it provides, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the investors are starting to see that. And you kind of have one school of thought, which is, oh, this is just going to get subsumed by Workday. And it's just this little learning thing that's on the side of your ACM and talent suite. And that's really kind of what happened in the cornerstone era of the market, right? It's just like, Oh, that, that's just kind of an ACM thing. And Cornerstone built out their whole kind of talent suite and right. kind of probably distracted themselves a little bit. And I, I think the future with, with what, how investors see this is there's 20 billion in LMS spend per year. There's 170 billion plus of just like general corporate training spend per year. And if someone can provide the right solution for organizations, it gets to be a really exciting market. Like I'll, I'll just give one more analogy is when I, when I worked at Cisco, they're dropping tens of millions of dollars on contractors coming in to train, third mm-hmm. parties to train on training content. And it's just all over the place. You can't derive the value. They got the reseller program training, like just all over the place. But think about if you could provide a centralized place and deliver that value from partners, from, cust- to, um, from partners to vendors, to multiple stakeholders, see the ROI across those, those groups, that's when you can, I think, build a platform as big as the service nows of the world, the signs of the world. And so that's a long-winded way to say that I that's think great. if you can kind of knock back those naysayers who don't really understand how big learning is and really focus on the, the potential of the market, the investors who get that, I think, get super excited about it. And even with Pluralsight, just doing content alone, technical content alone, and they were hovering in the four or $5 billion market cap. And, and they probably saw a better exit with Vista, but like, that's mm-hmm. just a small sliver of the market and being that big already. And I think if you, that's huge. you can do this right, you can, you can make a category, not just category defining, but SaaS defining learning technology play here. And I think that's what excites investors. That was our pitch. <laughs> uh, oh no! I love. I lo- I'm thank 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 you for that. I'm very thankful for you sharing that with the audience because I think many of us in the space come at education from an entrepreneurial point of view, and those of us that arrive 
and join the the movement of customer education and enable, internal enablement, enablement in general. I, I actually, they're kind of like going up market and calling it enablement. Although some people would argue, and Adam and I might get into a fight, so we're not going there. <laughs> um, but the I, I like to say, and Adam likes to say, that we're all educators. We're all teaching. When you get into a company, I love early phase companies in particular because you'll see a CSM or an implementation person, let me teach you all about this. I'm so excited about this product. I can't wait to share this with somebody. And they keep doing that with everybody, but you're doing that one-on-one with every customer. Yes. And that doesn't scale. So where you, I, all of this community comes into play is that our job is really we're like farmers in a way. I actually, we're like a, we're like a, a focal point, like a wizard or something and pull, harnessing energy from all over the place in some magical conduit. I watch Harry Potter way too much. We went through the whole series again, <laughs> but you're, you're bringing this all from seemingly nowhere and all, and, and you're sharing this knowledge and just blowing it out to the world. And everybody's like, this is amazing. But what, what's happening underneath that is this tribalism that happens in startups that, you see it all the time that somebody has knowledge and they don't share it because it makes them valuable. And what we need to get this democratization and this collaboration so that we can explode all this content out and share it with everybody and then channel it like a laser beam. I used to study physics in undergrad and, you know, you're getting everybody lined up in the same way. And they're trying to say like it, you know, at outreach, what our, what our job is to explain to the world, how we're the industry leader in, sales engagement. And what does that even mean? So there's thought leadership, there's evangelism, there's tactical stuff, functional stuff, and then workflows and all of it comes together and you get informed from everybody. And if you're not fluidly working with all of your other peers, it doesn't work. You end up getting a stale, dry product nobody ever wants to look at. So anyway, with that, I think we've covered, we've covered a tremendous amount. This was really interesting to learn from you. And I feel like our bubble has expanded and I, I would like this as an opportunity to open up for, again, I'll talk to the audience now that if you're in, a, in, in a, you know, an internal enablement role, maybe you're in HR, maybe you're in sales, let's join the conversation because we want to talk to you. I think we're all in this education. You know, we're kind of all in the bucket of customer education. Ultimately we are all doing the same thing, which is our focus is getting that customer to understand our product. We all have to teach them in different ways. So any any last thoughts, Ted, before we start wrapping I'll, up I'll, for the day? I'll tell you a, a fun story to help help uh, solve that debate it. between you and Adam. So we, for our <laughs> VIPs, we were giving them Maybe. a holiday, holiday t-shirt and we had... We, ha- we were debating, it was it was uh, blank heroes and we were debating between enablement and learning heroes. And we actually went with enablement heroes uh, for for the more, I would call it a um, high level name of what we're trying to do now. So we, we settled on what, how, how you debated that is calling it enablement. So yeah. <laughs> let's send him a t-shirt, it. might rub it in a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love it. <laughs> Okay. So Ted, with that, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up again. I have to thank you so much for joining us and I'm even more, I'm glad you're a listener. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's, this is a journey that we're taking together. We all want to learn together and the more we connect the dots, we're building a category. So we all have a a philosophy and understanding and to, to kind of frame up this conversation why I'm really intrigued by what, what you had said and what I've learned out of this is that, in customer education, we need to expand that fabric. We understand we're a part of a fabric. And to make the whole picture we need to work with, we need to look at enablement across the board. So hopefully this opens up space to that. So again, thanks, Ted. Um, like you, we're super passionate about customer education. We are committed to growing our audience of leaders and professionals uh, and giving them the ideas they need to understand. Like, did you know there were 600 LMSs? Well, you probably should, it's out there. There's a lot, it's it's actually very hard to navigate. So let's go ahead and wrap up. If you wanna learn more, we have a podcast website at https colon slash slash customer.education or just customer.education, we'll get you there. There you can find show notes and other material. In fact, we are starting to introduce transcriptions of all of our episodes word for word. Uh, so you can enjoy that too. If you need to reach me, I am on the Twitters at, at Dave Darrington, also on LinkedIn. Uh, Ted, how can we reach you? Tell us more about where we can go to learn about you and about WorkRamp. Yeah, for sure. So WorkRamp.com, easy to find. Um, and then personally, you can always send me an email, 
ted.workramp.com and we can even even move to text too. So we love communicating uh, with our te- uh, customers however we can. So thanks for having me on, Dave. Fabulous. And and I'm a customer of yours as you are of ours. So it's we'll continue the conversation. Um, to wrap up, special thanks to Alan Coda for our amazing theme music. And if this helped you out, you can help us out by subscribing in your podcatcher of choice or leaving us an, a review on iTunes. That actually really helps more than anything in the world to show that we're a valid thing. We've been out here two years. We've had over 50 episodes. We're cranking them out to help you out. Um, so to our audience, thank you for joining us. Get out there, educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody.